This is an Australian Museum podcast. Well, today we're here at the Australian Museum. My name is Chris Helgen. I'm the chief scientist of the museum and the director of the Australian Museum Research Institute. And I'm pleased to be here today with Ron Lovett. Welcome, Ron. Thanks, Chris. Nice to be here. Great to have you, and it's great to be sitting down to conversation today. I'm going to give a little better background to Ron. Ron Lovett is our longest-serving Digivol volunteer, and in in uh, the work he's done with us, he has demonstrated so much skill, dedication, and support to the Digivol program over 12 years. Is that right, Ron, 12 years? Yep, 12 years uh, this October. That's just fantastic, and I, you know, Ron came to the museum, and he quickly progressed from digitizing entomology specimens, so insect specimens here, um, to learning new high-resolution imaging skills, which helped enable our collection staff to have quality images taken of a whole variety of things. So that was dry insects, fish, marine invertebrates, paleontology, uh, paleontology fossils, and mammals. And Ron, I'm somewhat most familiar with your work on mammals in particular. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Um, in uh, 2018, Ron was selected to handle and image the Mammals Icon Project's fragile and valuable specimens. And this resulted in Ron taking 225 images of specimens. And this required him spending, spending countless hours at home editing these images to a professional standard, a very exacting standard, as you've shown me, Ron. Incredible. Yeah, I, I do. I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> So that, uh, yes, I spend quite a bit of time making sure that uh, they do look as good as they can be. Yeah, and they do look good. That quality of this work, um, these images from Ron, it's recognized, it's appreciated by our collection staff. Some of these images have been included uh, in our museum's research scientists' publications, published papers. Uh, and currently, uh, Ron has been taking high-resolution images of some of our extinct mammals. <laughs> Some That's right. Real treasures in the cabinets. I also want to mention as we get started that Ron is an award-winning competition photographer, and he's been so generous over the years with his time in mentoring and supporting other staff and other interested volunteers to upskill their their talents and skills in in uh, digitizing here at the museum. So we thank you for that, Ron, and thank it's been you for a, been being a pleasure. Here. Yeah. Well, I want to start our conversation. Start at the beginning here. Um, let's think about. The beginnings for you in your childhood. Tell us where did you grow up, and how did that upbringing sort of shape your relationship with the natural world? Um, <clears throat> I had a very mixed background, in as much as um, I was actually born in Egypt. Right. Um, English and Italian parents. Okay. And I started an interest in what was around me. I used to love catching lizards, looking at them, and the like. And as I grew older, that became even more so, <clears throat> um, so that I, pro I progressed from, from the love of nature progressed from there. Hmm. Um, hmm. used to love experimenting with breeding mice and all sorts of things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. At one stage th I thought I'd be a vet, but, um, that didn't happen. Right. Right. And, uh, you, uh, your career took you in, in other directions. Yes. Uh, I actually went into a, um, a trade initially as a woodcarver, because I also have an artistic background. Right. Okay. And which has helped in what I'm doing with my photography. Yeah. Well, tell tell us, so this fascination with the natural world goes deep for you. 
But how about photography? Where did it start with photography? How did you how did you get into it? Um, my father used to be quite interested in photography, and he bought me my first camera, an old Walter Flick, many many years ago. Hmm. Um, so I used that. I I never went into the point of actually doing my own. Um, sort of developing and the like. Okay. Um, but I used to enjoy it. Then I sort of lost interest for quite a while. Then probably about uh, 25 years ago, uh, bought a, bought an early digital, well, an, early, an SLR. Yep. Uh, then moved over to digital. Right, yes. And um, then, of course, started photographing insects around the place and animals and the like. Found I enjoyed that. Yeah. So that's how it progressed from there. Yeah. So your love of nature and the interest in photography combined. Were there some formative experiences with nature photography, things that just like hooked you in and projects that took a hold of you maybe? Um, actually, starting the volunteering work in here right. um, gave me more of an interest into insects. Okay. Um, that then led me to looking at a couple of um, websites um, and individuals, a gentleman by the name of Levon Biss, who's a British photographer hmm. who approached the Oxford Museum of Natural History with the concept of doing high-resolution images of insects. And uh, I saw some of his clips okay. and his stacking work and thought, hmm, I'm not, I would, I'd like to try that. You're going to give that a go. So yeah. I started yeah. doing that and, of course, brought that here into the museum. Yeah, fantastic. Two two remarkable effects. I've seen so many of your images, and uh, uh, these are images. Some of my favorites are not just of some of the many of the specimens that we have here, but work that you've done out in nature, even in your own garden. Mm. Well, I've, I've I started a project which I called "In Your Garden," basically, um, of photographing every insect I could find in our own gardens where we live and doing them in high resolution to, to show people that that little bug isn't an ugly little thing, but actually has some real beauty about it yeah. and some detail that you c just cannot see with the naked eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when I look at these images of yours from your garden, the way this animal is blown up, you know, a small insect, you know, to, to great magnification and incredible focus, I mean, you may as well be looking at, a megafaunal animal. It might as well be an elephant or a giraffe. You know, you're seeing this incredible detail, and it's sort of more on the level with you. You know, as a human mm. being. Well, that, that's that's it. You know, you, you an insect that maybe measures two or three millimeters. Um, the way I image them, you can blow them up to be a meter or more. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. get all the all the detail. Oh, they're absolutely stunning and you can see some of these images i know uh on our website that's right I encourage people to uh, have a look as we're uh listening as you're listening to this conversation so we have been so pleased to have you uh working here and volunteering at the museum how did it start with you how did you uh first come to be volunteering here um my wife and i have been members of the museum for many many years and before the projects the digivol project started um, we received an email saying that uh, they were looking for people who were interested in volunteering at the museum, um, taking photographs of whatever uh, part of the collections. And um, as I had the interest in photography, I sent an email back in saying, yes, I'd like to. 
got an email back saying, what days could you be available? Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave them a list of days and um, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had you uh, had you here ever since, which has just been uh, fantastic. So, um, yeah, with, uh, with the 12 years you've been here, um, what's it been like watching the kind of museum change and unfold? What changes have you noticed? What have been some favorite moments? Well, considering the way the setups, the first setup we ever had when we started digitizing, how primitive it was that we used to have to run up and down the stairs right. to focus the camera. And then when, <clears throat> when we had a batch of photos, we'd take the SD card, put it in a computer and download them onto the computer to the setups we now have. Um, yeah. It's taken a while to get there. Um, but working on some of the, the um, collections has been really interesting. Um, when I did the butterfly collection um, a couple of years back uh, for one of the, from one of the donations, there was something like 400 cases of butterflies from somebody's private collection. Wow. And wow. his name actually slips my mind. Um, but that was really interesting to see these beautiful butterflies. Yeah. Um, the icons project, obviously, has been very interesting, and I've learned a hell of a lot doing that. Yeah. Well, we've been, yeah, we've been thrilled to have you on that Icons project. That Mammals Icons project, you know, uh, features some of the most sort of notable and famous mammal specimens in our collection, type specimens, those that, you know, formed uh, the original basis for scientists naming uh, some of the species from Australia and Pacific for the first time, and, um, and some of our uh, really unique and extinct uh, animals. So you've seen so many of the treasures of our collections, including the mammal collection. Is there any specimen or species that, you know, really stands out as a, as a favorite for you? Pro- probably because the amount of time I spent in, in doing the mammals icons and one of my favorite images that I've done is actually one that I believe is close to your heart which is the sheathed bat from New Guinea. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, knowing that that specimen was collected in the late 1800s mm. and mm. Uh, it's an awesome-looking cr- creature and yeah. the, the different angles I had to take of it to try and show the best parts of it, really, I re- really loved working on that specimen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. There's some real special ones there, and uh, I'm a big fan of that work that you've done on uh, profiling some of those uh, bats. Some of these bats are stored in alcohol. They're coming out of a fluid jar, and uh, um, you know, it's they they can look a little misshapen, you know, to to the people that aren't familiar with uh, the way specimens are stored. But you were able to somehow capture. Uh, that specimen in a way that does make it approachable and does keep it in exquisite focus. How do you how do you do it? Well, when when the, I was first asked to do the project, and I, I, they said there's going to be what are classified as wet specimens, and uh, they said you know we'll just take them out of the ethanol and we'll photograph them. And I said, well, you're literally going to be looking at a drowned rat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to get you're, you're going to get no dark information out of it at all. Um, so my concept was to try and photograph them still within the ethanol. But because of the fact that they wanted all different angles, I then had to develop special stands to hold the specimens 
in the ethanol at the angles that they wanted. Right, right. To show, show different features of either the snout, the ears, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that that was a learning curve for me as well because I'd never done submerged specimens. We'd talked about doing soups of insects, but not, mm-hmm. nothing as big as a bat or even rats and and the like. So yeah. it was trial and error. Trial and error. You were breaking breaking new ground. We don't usually see, um, you know, people uh, approaching those fluid specimens with the amount of care and dedication and sort of emphasis on getting an art level image coming out of it. That was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've been so involved with the, the Digivol volunteer program. And I want to remind our listeners that Digivol is a citizen science online platform where members of the public can, uh, come and participate we have many volunteers that are here physically and that are coming in-house and participating like Ron has done uh, in imaging or helping us with uh, other aspects of, of getting data for specimens more accessible, the registration data, the scientific background and context, and some of the images of, of various kinds. So Ron, you've been so um, invested and involved in Digivol in a way that I appreciate because, you know, our collections traditionally, you had to come and see them in person if you really wanted to do the scientific work on them, right? You had to get in there physically in the building, find your way into the room, unlock the cabinet or find the jar on the shelf. Um, What you're doing is extending and making the specimens available to um, so many more people. So um, that's a fantastic thing. Also, that work that you're doing is contributing to science and publications, you know, so both from museum scientists and, and visitors. Is there anything that stands out in your mind as some of the contributions you have, have made to scientific projects or the scientific literature? Well, as you mentioned, yes, I know that quite a few of my bat images have been in publications. Um, there was a series of dragonfly images I did that uh, were used to be sent off to Europe to possibly identify the dragonfly as a new species. Fantastic. And uh, I had a scientist come out from Canada who was interested in um, seahorses. Oh, wow. And we apparently had a collection of little tiny seahorses from the Red Sea that he'd never seen before and he thought were, were a new species. Wow. So he actually sat with me for a day asking me to take images at different angles of these specimens and then took the images back to Canada with him to then write a paper as far as I'm aware. So from that point of view, yes, the images get used yeah. a lot rather than handling the actual specimens. Right. And that that has to be rewarding for you personally um, to see them being used in that way and then knowing that that investment of your time has um, led to this resource being all that more accessible and mm. more useful to science. Certainly. So uh, now I, um, I want to thank you, Ron, for the generosity uh, of your, your contributions that you have made and um, the uh, uh, remarkable skill and care that you bring to imaging these, these specimens in our collection. Things like the discovery of new species of dragonfly or seahorse, these are things that are still happening in a museum like ours all the time. Uh, and it's work like yours that makes it all the more possible. Thank you for your generosity and your work here, Ron. It's been my pleasure, and I've really enjoyed it, and I hope to keep doing it. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.
This has been an Australian Museum podcast. 